Thank you for tuning in to the January edition of the Blue Report. I'm your host, Jamie, and our co-host, Adam, is of course here as well. He is the man when it comes to the Blue Report. Hey, Adam. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to the the first Blue Report of 2020, I guess we could say, right? We Before we get started, we just encourage everyone to check out our website at moviegeeksunited.com. You'll find out all the latest uh, programming on there and our, our uh, plans for future uh, podcasts as well, including a new series called Movie Geek Yearbook. Hang on, let me say that again. I didn't enunciate it very well. I've been eating chocolate. Movie <laughs> Geek Yearbook. And uh, we're remastering our Kubrick series as well. And uh, the first five episodes are already remastered. And the final two episodes will be up later this year so that's another thing to look forward to with the podcast so january new start new beginning new blue titles what do we got okay well we usually do this chronologically so i'm going to continue on that trend and believe it or not there was something that was released on new year's day which is kind of odd that rarely ever happens but uh in this case it did and it was dario argento's 1998 retelling of the phantom of the opera this was released by uh scorpion releasing uh like i said 1998 this uh, what makes this kind of interesting i can't really vouch for it one way or the other because i haven't seen it uh but it is uh co-written by gerard brock now that name might not sound familiar to some of our listeners, but it probably is a familiar one to you because he was a co-writer with Roman Polanski on some of his key titles, including the Fearless Vampire Killers, and I believe he was the co-writer on The Tenet, if memory serves me correct. So, He's yes. still around? Well, uh, this was 1998 when this was made, so uh, this was... I don't know if he's around now, but he was around in 1998 to collaborate with... Gerard, I mean, I'm sorry, Dario Argento for uh, this retelling of the Phantom of the Opera. I just thought it was interesting that he, uh, you know, cutting his teeth on those Polanski films and then moving over to the Argento thing. Uh, This one has Julian Sands and Asia Argento. Um, And like I said, it's the just the Phantom of the Opera. You know the story and uh, it's supposedly pretty faithful, but I can't say for sure because I haven't seen it and didn't get a review copy of this one, but nevertheless, because it was the only title released on January the 1st, uh, I just wanted to mention to our listeners that uh, there is an uh, Dario Argento's retelling of The Phantom of the Opera was released on that day. Phantom of the Opera, what is our second title? A second title will move up to January the 7th, which is this coming Tuesday, uh, from when we're recording this. And we have, I guess they're timing this to the 
fairly recent release and the critical acclaim of Ryan Johnson's latest film, Knives Out, while his first film was Brick from 2005. And Kino Lorber has issued a brand new 4K restoration supervised by Ryan Johnson of his 2005 film Brick, starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Lucas Haas, and uh, Emily DeRaven. This has an audio commentary by Ryan Johnson and uh, actors Noah Zahetner and Noah Sagan, uh, Nora Zahetna and Noah Zagan, uh, producer of the film and the production designer and the costume designer, eight deleted and extended scenes. And, uh, you know, you get your trailer there. So anyway, if you're a fan of Brick, and it's a pretty good debut, I would say, uh, for anybody who wants to go back and see where it all began in the career of Ryan Johnson, who, uh, of course, did the last Star Wars film, The Last Jedi, the one previous to the one that we're seeing now. And uh, like I said, Knives Out is a terrific film. I'll vouch for that one for sure. So anyway, so moving on to Criterion, we have uh, Holiday from 1938. And uh, that stars Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. It's one of their comedies from uh, and this directed by George Cukor, an unhappy heiress falls in love with her stodgy sister's free thinking fiance. So uh, there's some new extras there on that one as well. Who did that? So who did that? That's George Cukor and it's uh, Catherine Hepburn and Cary Grant. Holiday. <laughs> oh, no, I mean, from, what, com- uh, what company 19- released that? Oh, it's Criterion. It's Criterion. Yeah, it's one of their titles. Okay. And we also, from Kino, oh, moving back to Kino, that was a Criterion holiday was. Uh, but moving back to Kino, they have issued Dr. Cyclops from 1940, which is the one with the infamous Albert Decker, who is probably more famous for his death than he is for the films that he made in his career. Uh, and we'll not, <laughs> we don't need to rehash that unless you particularly want to, but uh, nevertheless, Dr. Cyclops is a pretty effective sci-fi up. film about this. Yeah. Look him up. That's right. If you don't know, and you're curious and we're warning you with peace and love, you uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a little, um, it's a little dark for those who are uninitiated, uh, the end that befell this man. Anyway, uh, now Dr. Cyclops is kind of a fun movie. It's real short. It's only, uh, I think, an hour and 15 minutes or something. It's directed by Ernest Shodesback, who also directed the original King Kong from 1933. And it's about this crazy scientist who decides to shrink a bunch of, uses these uh, these people that he invites to his place uh, for an experiment. He uses them to shrink them and uh, they have to try to find their way to around the, his, uh, the scientists home or lab or whatever to, they have to find the the serum to get them back to normal size. And the the visual effects are pretty good. It's in technicolor, which is kind of rare for a film made in 1940. You didn't see too many of those, but, Anyway, it looks great, and um, it's a new. It's been previously issued uh, in a bundle from Universal, but this is a a standard uh, release of the film by itself from Kino. A couple other Kino titles here as well are The Specialists from 1969, um, and The Hellbenders from 1967. That's Joseph Cotton, and the Chuck Connors film Kill Them All and Come Back Alone from 1968. And Cobra Woman from 1944. So those are a couple of other. Now is Cobra, is Cobra Woman 
Is that a good double feature with Cobra? Uh, <laughs> don't know. That's uh, you're talking thirty years difference, thirty two years difference. So I don't know about that. Uh, can't say. Um, could be. You never know about these things. But anyway, it's it's possible. <laughs> Uh, this is an interesting title. Do you remember the, we all know Charles Durning mostly from films like, uh, you know, best little whorehouse in Texas and to be or not to be, but we never thought of him as an action star. And yet they tried to make him an action star in 1985 with a film stand alone. <laughs> and it also has, it's, uh, Which year? What year? 1985. It's Charles Durning and Pam Greer wow. and James Keach. He's defending his family, and the cover of the the cover of the video box and the the new Blu-ray has him standing there with a baseball bat in his hand. If you can imagine Charles Durning with, a <laughs> but this one is a curio, and I oh. I, I recommend. So is that like are they are they trying to go the Joe Don Baker route for Charles Durning? They are, yes, absolutely. I've seen this film; it's been a long time. But I have seen it. Uh, I watched it for the unintentional comedy that I'd heard about uh, in this film. Uh, I remember Leonard Malton's review of it in his TV movies guide. That's what got me turned on to it because he said this film is worth seeing for the spectacle of the rotund Charles Durning <laughs> chasing, <laughs> running around and chasing the criminal thugs <laughs> in the film. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, that it is. It is interesting for that reason, if nothing else. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, it has been issued, and uh, you just don't think of Charles Durning and Pam Greer being paired together, right? That's a that's an interesting pairing. Yeah. <laughs> wow, I gotta yeah. check that out. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it for, uh, like I said, for for obvious reasons. Anyway, the the slasher from 1953 is another of the Kino releases. This one actually stars Joan Collins and uh, James Kinney. Must have been an early Joan Collins. We're talking, you know, almost 70 years ago mm-hmm. at this point. Well, Joan, um, Collins, Joan Collins talks about how she uh, she was close to Marilyn Monroe, and she's I think she's from that era of the actor studio from back in that mm-hmm. day. I think you're right. I believe you are. Yes. So anyway, the 1973 film, The Final Program, has also been issued. This is another Kino. They've been pumping them out for sure. And uh, The Omega Syndrome from 1986. So those are a couple of Kino titles uh, for anybody who's looking for any of those. Just want to mention them. And another title I want to mention is uh, there's been a new reissue of Bad Boys and Bad Boys 2, the Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2 double feature, and uh, this is because of the, I'm sure, time to coincide with the release of the upcoming third film in that franchise. Uh, nevertheless, yeah. they are reissuing that for anybody. And that third film, to. the third film is not directed by Michael Bay. So no, guess, it is not. I guess we'll see uh, what kind of uh, uh, equation Michael Bay played in the success of those movies when we see the third. But also, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird that you know it's been like however many years, fifteen or whatever years since th- there was a Bad Boys movie. There seems to be a long lag there. But yeah, you see Michael Bay's newest movie on Netflix at Six Underground. I've heard about it. Haven't seen it. 
it's is it actually on there it's it's on now or oh yeah oh yeah 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 a couple okay. weeks ago yeah. that's the biggest okay. piece of shit i've ever seen in my life i mean that's exaggerating it's <laughs> yeah look wow here's my here's my thought on michael bay i think michael bay is an auteur but i think he's proof that you can be an auteur and not actually be a good filmmaker he's an auteur in that he has a style that is distinctly his own and what that style is has infected a lot of action movies in his wake. So he has had an influence. Uh, uh, you know, when you stick 50 cameras everywhere, uh, you know, you're going to get something from some angle. And um, so uh, there's a lot of beautiful stuff in Six Underground in terms of mm -hmm. in terms of setting, in terms of some staging and stunt work. The problem is he cuts away from it so damn fast. Things don't last on screen for more than a second, including some really impressive stunt work that if I were that stunt person, I would be pissed off. I put my life at risk to do this, you know, crashing of the car and flipping out and all that kind of stuff out of the front windshield and all that. And I, I'm not even seen. I can, I, you can barely register it. Maybe it's my age because I know that younger people now are more accustomed to seeing flashes of things. That's how they, that's how they interpret imagery. It's got to go fast, fast, fast. So maybe younger people would get a lot more out of six underground than I would, but uh, it's just not, uh, it, he, I feel like he sabotages all the hard work that he puts into realizing this shit. Hmm. Yeah, I heard they dumped a ton of money. They gave him just basically uh, backed up the Brinks truck and gave him pretty much carte blanche as far as the budget goes yeah. on this thing. Uh, and it kind of makes you sad when you when I hear things like this. But all the other great films that could have been made with that kind of money, you know, with that amount of money, and, and uh, none, none of the humor works. I mean, the humor is <laughs> so groan-inducing. Oh, um, wow. you know, it's like, it's Ryan Reynolds doing shtick for two hours and, mm -hmm. and explosions and the shtick ain't uh, funny. Oh boy. Well, I knew it was, I, 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 so much stuff has come out in the last couple of weeks and I knew it was either on the way or was there already, but I had kind of honestly lost track in all the, with all the, uh, the awards titles that they were trying to get me to see before we, we voted and, uh, I will note, uh, by the way, that the North Carolina Film Critics Association, of which I'm a voting member, we did uh, our best picture was uh, announced this week, and it was Parasite, which is my favorite of 2019 as well. So uh, maybe maybe that's a first that <laughs> the, uh, the the critics voted along the same lines as I did. So uh, that usually rarely happens. But nevertheless, for whatever it's worth, just wanted to mm. mention that. Um, yeah. So, well, we'll move along to January the 14th. We have a Beverly Hills Cop trilogy being released by Paramount. It's uh, basically, I think, a repackaging of all the Beverly Hills Cop films. Maybe this is anticipation uh, in anticipation of the recently announced Beverly Hills Cop 4. Maybe they're trying to stoke the flames for, for that which they've said is, is forthcoming. Uh, I don't think it's coming anytime soon, but nevertheless, they have, they have issued uh, all 
three of the Beverly Hills Cop films together. And Criterion has issued the 1960 Sidney Lumet film, The Fugitive Kind, with mm-hmm. uh, Marlon Brando. Um, yeah, that's that's being issued with a new transfer and some new extras. Based on Tennessee Williams' play Orpheus Descending. Now, here's what's yeah. interesting, because... Uh, in January of 1970, Lumet has a film called The Last of the Mobile Hotshots, which is also based on a Tennessee Williams play, even though it's a failed play. It was from his later period where everyone says that his best work was definitely behind him, and he was just rehashing. Mm. And The Last of the Mobile, Mobile Hotshots is not nearly as successful as The Fugitive Kind or Suddenly Last Summer, which Gore Vidal adapted just like he did mobile hotshots but um so that actually comes up in our upcoming series the fugitive kind interesting interesting it's too bad he's not around to uh to join us to talk about it uh, that would have been great if if that could have happened to tennessee williams uh no uh, Lumet, uh well I, I think we were way off the mark for tennessee williams but that, that would have been Lumet. interesting though we tried to get Lumet because we did a Lumet tribute or in the early days uh-huh. And man, I remember trying to track him down and sending endless emails to his office and every place Ooh. I could find just didn't happen. It was around the time that he had a retrospective of his work in New York. They were doing mm-hmm. this week-long retrospective and uh, just couldn't get him. Hmm, that's too bad. Yeah. He's an odd guy was- because he was a guy that was not self-reflective. And yet he was, uh, because he didn't look back in the past a lot for himself personally, but he was so articulate about the movies that he made. Oh yeah, he sure was. That that book that he wrote, uh, the making movies, is still, I think, one of the all time best yeah. on that subject. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, and he went well. He he went out on a high note. That's for sure. With before the devil knows you're dead, and yeah, uh, and even if the last of the Mobile Hotshots in 1970 was not was a misstep for him. I mean, Jesus, yeah. Jesus, his work later on in the decade is the best oh, of that decade. So that's what I was going to say. Look, look at Dog Day Afternoon Network and uh, Serpico, if nothing else. I mean, yeah. geez. And uh, there's some others that, you know, maybe not as he- held in as high regard, but good stuff nevertheless, or interesting, you know. So, yeah, there's a. Uh, I think there's one film of his that's never been issued on video that I've always wanted to see. It's called Loving Molly. I think it has mm. boat bridges in it, and I've never been able to track that down. I'm sure if you wanted to pay an arm and a leg, somebody's bootlegged it or taped it off television or something, but it's never had an official release, and I've always wanted to see that. Garbo Talks has been released? I think it has. Mm. I think I think it's out there somewhere, but um, Loving Molly has not. Maybe someday... Anyway, he made a horror movie too, didn't he? Child's Play. He did. That's correct. I believe that is available as well. Wow, a Sidney Lumet yeah. horror film. <laughs> I think it. I think it's a horror film. Uh, I believe that's like a, as unusual as a Sidney Lumet light comedy. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. He he didn't do light. No, no, no. Light was not really in his vocabulary. You're exactly right. This is true. Well, anyway, one of his films, The Fugitive Kind, has been issued, and it's one of the better ones, I think, uh, from Criterion. And we wanted to mention that. Um, the 1985 film directed by Walter Hill, Rooster's Millions. How about that? Richard Pryor and John God, Candy. I remember that movie getting raked over the coals when it came out. 
And I, it sure did. I think it might, you know, it might have, people might enjoy it more now that they're both dead. I think that, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's what led to its reassessment. Uh, yeah. I hate to say it, but that was, that was the moment when, uh, when Walter Hill's career started taking a, a downward turn. And, uh, there were a couple high moments after that, but not too many. And, I mean, look, uh, it's uh, not, I've rewatched it in the past couple of years. It's not horrible in that it is an incompetent movie. It's just not funny. There's nothing yes. funny in it, uh, which is kind of unforgivable when you're looking at a comedy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Good point. Well, Demons of the Mind has been issued by, and by the way, that's a Shout Select title, Brewster's Millions. Uh, one of their, uh, you know, they have their Shout Select line, which is, something akin to the criterion, you know? So it's interesting. They decided to go for a shout select, uh, for Brewster's millions, but they've gone all out with lots of extras. And, uh, they've, uh, here's one that is not a shout select, but demons of the mind from 1971, uh, starring Patrick McGee has been uh, issued. I think this may be one of those hammer films. I believe it's directed by Peter Sykes and it's definitely has uh, a lot of British actors in it. Uh, again, I'm aware of the title, but not really familiar with a lot of these actors. I mean, uh, a lot uh, have not seen the title. It's hard, to, it's hard to be an expert on those Hammer, hammer films, man. There's a ton of Hammer films. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be an expert on that. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, man, and, and there's even the guy that wrote a book called The Encyclopedia of Hammer Films. Uh, refused to come on our show because he said, I don't think I'd be much help to you. <laughs> I'm like, but you're the, oh, wow, expert on hammer. Wow. you're the expert on hammer films. And they're like, no, I'd have to have notes all over the place and they, it wouldn't be a good interview. So I'm like, okay, yeah. all right. But there are a ton mm. of hammer films and there's a ton of influence that hammer had on later cinema. And for those that don't know, Patrick McGee, if I'm thinking of the right guy is the, the, the guy whose wife was raped in the clockwork orange. And then he seeks revenge at the end against McDowell. That's Is that guy. Patrick McGee? That's the guy. Yeah. You, you got it. You got it. And he recites That's every him. line in a clockwork orange, like he is in a hammer film. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's also, I think uh, the very next year he was in a, a film called asylum, which is one of those anthology horror films, which is actually quite good. Uh, mm. He's, he's in that. Um, I think it's I think it's Asylum he's in, or it's either that or Tales from the Crypt. Uh, he's in one of those two. I can't uh, I'm drawing I, I can't say with 100 percent authenticity, but he's around that same time he was doing that sort of thing too. So, yeah, um, the Great McGinty from 1940. That's uh, one of Preston Sturge's most well-regarded films. It stars, of course, Brian Don Levy, and uh, it's um. You know, like I said, a very, a very high regard. If you like Preston Surges, which I am a fan, and I hate to say it, but this is one of his films I have never seen. I've seen quite a few of them, but uh, this is one I have not. So uh, anyway, it's a Kino release, and just wanted to mention that. And as is House by the River from 1950, that's a Kino release as well, starring Jane Wyatt. And Night Patrol from 1984. Do you remember this one with Linda Blair and the uh, the unknown comic? Is in this one oh, as well. <laughs> yeah, this one. Uh, 
I remember Billy Barty is in this film and uh, he has this, they don't even acknowledge it, but he farts throughout the entire film. Like every scene that he's in, he's, he's constantly farting. Like he has fly, and I, they, none of the characters acknowledge it. It's just like every time he appears on camera, you just hear these fart sound effects on the tr- soundtrack. God. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a bizarre film. And like I said, it has the, uh, the unknown comic, the, uh, you remember the, the guy that used to wear the paper bag on his head from Gong Show or whatever he's in it. And, um, Oh, what's that guy that, that ran for president in the late sixties, Pat, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, Buchanan, <laughs> uh, not Pat Buchanan. No, he was, he was, he was done as a publicity stunt for the Smothers Brothers show. I, oh. I think, uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Who is on it? We, I'm sure we have. I never looked into it. Did we ever find out who the unknown comic was? Murray Langston is the guy's name. I'm actually friends with the guy on Facebook. God. So yeah, that's who it is. Yeah. That doesn't really, that really puts an end to your, to your gig when you make yourself known. (laughs) I know. Right. This is true. This is very true. Yeah. This is, uh, it's directed by Jackie Kong who kind of made a, career out of you know a lot of these um drive-in type films and around that time but uh yeah it also had it's pat paulson that's who i was thinking about and jp morgan so anyway <laughs> but it's been issued by um actually actually scorpion releasing which is uh it's Aquino is distributing but it's actually scorpion releasing but anyway i know it has cult uh, a cult following it's an 88 percent um positive here for uh the as far as uh people who actually like the movie it's saying google users 88 percent. so i know there's uh there's a fan fandom for night patrol and i remember uh my first cousin went and saw it in a the theater when it came out and i remember him coming back and repeating some of the jokes and uh uh it sounded fun it sounded funnier hearing him talk about it than it actually was when I finally saw it. But nevertheless, I'm sure that I understand there's fans. So uh, the 1935 film, the good fairy and the 1959 film room at the top. Both of those are Kino releases as well. Just wanted to mention those um, room at the top was one of the first of the angry young men, British films that uh, this one stars Lawrence Harvey and Simone Signore. Um, yeah, so just wanted to mention those. Uh, Penelope from 1966 is a Warner Archive release. Mm. And that's um, being issued by them. I think they remade I, that. In the, I believe they did. Uh, ten, 10 years ago or so. Yeah, this is... Um, I can't remember who directed this. Uh, it's Natalie Wood. That's for sure. Um, but... That's one that I've never actually seen, but yeah, I believe you are correct on that. Um, that it's uh, that it has been remade at some point. Directed by Arthur like, Hiller. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's what I was trying to find. That's out. why you can't remember. That. Yeah, he can't uh, remember anything. Arthur, Arthur Hiller. Hiller directed. <laughs> well, the funny thing about him was. Uh, and somebody, I was listening to a podcast the other day and somebody else was talking about this, that he, you know, in 1979, he directed the in-laws, but the same year, he also directed Nightwing, which is the uh, film about the vampire bats 
attacking a bunch of people in this New Mexico community. And it's really a bad film. It's really bad. And so you've got one of the great cult comedies of the seventies and you've got one of the worst horror films of the, of the seventies, both in the same calendar year and the same director. It's kind of, kind of interesting. But then you look at 1970, he directed one of the biggest hits of that year with love story. So yeah, he, he, as a director for hire, he had, he had some hits. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Kind of director for hire. I was going to say, didn't he also do in 1970, the out of towners with uh, Jack lemon, I believe. I want to say, I think it was, but I could be wrong. Um, I'll have to check on that, but yeah, I, that was, that was Hiller. That was Hiller. I thought it was. And it I, was a hit. Yeah. The year of the Hiller. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fan of that. I love the out of towners. I think it's very funny. It's one of, uh, I think it's one of Neil Simon's better, um, better, uh, scripts as far as what was the, you mentioned Natalie Wood Natalie Wood. Oh, inside Daisy Clover. Have yes, you ever seen that? I have, I have, it's been a while. That's a, that's a movie that got rampaged as well, but Man, there is a sequence in that movie that is just stunning mm-hmm. when she's doing voiceover or something in a little booth. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen that, but now that you mention it, yeah, it's uh, I want to say that's made by Robert Mulligan, I believe, yeah, that mm-hmm. made Summer 42. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, he, he was another one of those that's kind of pigeonholed as, yeah, it is a Robert Mulligan film, and he's was always pigeonholed as a director for hire, but I, th- he's got some great films in his resume. So, uh, oh God, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, most definitely. But anyway, we'll move along to a double feature. I don't know that this makes any sense. I'm scratching my head on this one. The, uh, 1977 film heroes, which was Henry Winkler's attempt oh. at, uh, you know, he was, this is when he was trying to capitalize on his success on television as, Fonzie, and so he thought he would try to make a stab at a big screen film career. And this was the movie. I mean, he had previously been in a big screen film. He'd been in The Lords of Flatbush back in '74, but that was at the beginning of Happy Days. This was at the Happy Days heyday, around the same time that Fonzie literally jumped the shark. Uh, and so he did this film, Heroes, where he's a a Vietnam War veteran who's having trouble readjusting to life and. I think it has Sally Field in it. It's it's uh it wasn't very well reviewed. I remember when it came out though. I remember it coming out and their advertisements for it all over the newspapers when I was a kid. And uh, they paired this with Eddie Macon's Run as a double feature, Mill mm. Creek. And I, I don't really see the connection. Uh, <laughs> Eddie Macon's Run and Heroes, but nevertheless, um, and we're talking about the 1983 film Eddie Macon's Run, which I think is John Schneider and Kirk Douglas. Uh, I believe that's yeah. I believe that's John Schneider and yeah. Kirk Douglas. So, yeah, Heroes also has um, Harrison Ford in it. That's correct. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Yeah, directed directed by the guy that also did the the Big Fix, mm-hmm. that Richard Dreyfuss Los Angeles movie that we like. Yes, 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 yes. Very true. So you remember when uh, Gary David Goldberg, the sitcom producer, decided to get into feature films and he did the movie Dad from 1990 with Jack Lemmon with a dad. Right. That's, yeah, he did that. Uh, and that's not a terrible film. I think it's Ted Danson is in it as well. It's Ted Danson. And I believe I want to say it's Ethan Hawke plays uh, the grandson. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's Ethan Hawke, Ted Danson, and Jackson. Yeah, it's an early Kevin Spacey. Uh, you know, I I recognize that it's a flawed movie, but I remember seeing that when I was a teenager when it first released in theaters, and I was really deeply moved by it. And I know mm-hmm. it's wildly manipulative, but that uh, the the themes from James Horner from that movie are gorgeous. There's that one shot of like Ted Danson carrying his father out of the hospital in right. his arms. Right. And it's like, oh, I, I know it's shameless, but <laughs> I could cry like right now thinking about well, it. Me too. It's just, it's one of those heartstring movies, man. It is. It really is. And uh, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. And I just saw it popped up on the release list. It's it's coming out on the 14th. And it, they, they paired it actually with I'm Not Rappaport, which is another. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, with, I guess because it's Walter Matthau. So you got Lemon on one and Matthau on the other. And it's O.C. Davis, of course. Oh, okay. But uh, I guess that's con- the connection. But I mean, hey, you could do worse from a two uh, a twofer, I guess, as far as uh, getting two movies for the price of one. And it's only like 10 bucks. So uh, wow. might be worth it. I was thinking I might uh, I might dip in there and pick that one up, as a matter of fact. Gary David Goldberg. What has he done? Because I know I know who the moonlighting guy because the moonlighting yeah. guy went into movies and did Clean and Sober as his first movie. I think he did Family Ties. I believe I believe that was his claim to fame. Okay, but 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 uh, uh, Glenn Gordon Karen, the moonlighting guy, that you know he returned to television pretty successfully and did media. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen Gary David Goldberg's name around for a long long time well he's deceased now i think so he's, he's oh that explains yeah it. he's gone yeah he's gone yeah i think he died uh about three or four years ago i believe he had uh brain cancer unfortunately oh wow if only he had somebody to carry his body out of a hospital uh, yeah that's <laughs> yeah, true I, I wonder if he did but yeah um yeah it is yeah he's gone sadly but uh, yeah, he, he did make a stab at a feature film, though, with with uh, Dad. And I don't know if he did any uh, more attempts. At a Must love dog. Did he do that? Uh, it seems like he might have. That might have no, been one. No, no, no. He might have just produced that one. Because I'm looking at his resume now. This show actually just consists of Adam and I looking at Google. <laughs> I hope you guys are uh, Yeah, he directed Must Love Dogs. Okay. Wow. And then he did Spin City, which was a hit in the 90s. Yeah. So, interesting. Right. Well, um, for any of the listeners who haven't seen Dad, it's wildly manipulative, but uh, it may be one of, the, one of the ones you might want to seek out from this release slate that we if have. If you're a total sucker like me and Adam, Absolutely. then you'll like it. Yep. I wholeheartedly admit it. So, uh, yep. Don't say we didn't warn you, but. Anyway, uh, so moving right along here, we have a couple of things. We're moving along to January the 21st, and we have The House by the Cemetery from 1981, one of those Giallo films. Uh, um, you know, what can you say about The House by the Cemetery? It's one of those Lucio Fulci films mm. that uh, definitely have their cult followings. i not really... I have a hard time getting into them. I mean, I find them to be kind of predictable and formulaic, but um, I know they do have their fans. So for whatever it's worth, House by the Cemetery is coming out from Blue Underground with a ton of new extras. Uh, It's loaded with extras. There's a boatload of stuff there. 
So uh, for anybody who who's looking for an upgrade on that, um, there you go. I think it actually is a three-disc limited edition. It actually contains a CD of the original soundtrack as well. So how about them apples? <laughs> original soundtrack of what? The soundtrack from House by the Cemetery. It actually contains the soundtrack from the film as a bonus. So it's three discs. It's one disc for the film, one disc for the extras, and one disc for the CD. So, huh. yeah. Yeah, Blue Underground's been doing that uh, a little bit. They did one for Maniac last summer. I understand that. And, yeah, they did one for the New York Ripper as well. So, same thing. Three three discs and one is a CD. So, yeah. Well, got a couple of uh, more Kino releases here. The Warlord from 1965 starring Charlton Heston and Richard Boone. And Olzana's Raid, starring Burt Lancaster from 1972. Um, those are both being issued by Kino, as is Semi-Tough, starring the former guest and the late Burt Reynolds, Chris Christopherson, and Jill Clayburgh, the late Jill Clayburgh as well. Um, yeah, that's a fun movie, right? I think. It's been yeah, a while. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I would... Um, I hope to revisit that one soon. A kitten with a whip is being issued with uh, Anne Margaret. That's being issued by Universal, believe it or not. But this was, uh, I think, her first film after Bye Bye Birdie, I think. Um, So interesting that she chose that. But uh, yeah, this is considered. You know, I have. I've submitted to her several times and I'm talking about interview requests, oh. but you could take it the other way too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, no luck. No huh? response. Oh, no. wow. That's too bad. She'd be great on the, uh, our upcoming series. Cause she's, she was, um, during that time, she was really uh, pretty active. And, uh, 70 cinema for sure. Um, Sim- Cimarron from 1960, the Western uh, Cimarron, which was filmed in um, uh, Cinerama, I believe. That's a Warner Archive release that's coming out with a brand new transfer. The uh, the 2002 film starring, um, uh, I think that's, I want to say it's Casey Affleck is in this. Um, Jerry. Yeah, uh, uh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. Yeah, and the Matt Gus Van Sant. Yes, the Gus Van Sant. Yes, uh, that's the one. It's, it's it's them. It's them walking through the desert. Or something, yeah, right? the snow or something like that. I can't remember. It's been a while. <laughs> it's <fun to> walk. <laughs> two two people walking somewhere. That's that's what the movie's about. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, Jerry um is going to be issued uh, by that's a shout select title actually it's one of theirs mm. so as is sliding well, it's a, oh it's go an ahead. art film that's for sure yes and it's yes. uh jerry g-e-r-r-y yes exactly exactly uh, it's worth mentioning uh sliding doors starring gwyneth paltrow from 1998 it's that film where she uh gets a, a peek at what her uh, the film shows two opposite. Um, you get to see her life from two different perspectives. If she had done this or if she'd gone mm-hmm. this way, you know, it's one of those movies where you get to see uh, the same day and done in two different perspectives. I, I never saw it. I remember it was kind of a gimmicky 
film. I, I want to say her dad yeah. directed it, maybe, but maybe not. I can't remember. No, I'm thinking of the I know, I, I, duets. That's the duets, one he directed. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, uh, I often think of those things. What uh, would have happened to my life if I'd made this decision or this decision? But in the end, I think to be truthful about things for most of us, we would have found a way to fuck up no matter what choice we made. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Yep. That's that's exactly right. And uh, a lot of it is luck or lack thereof, too. I, I'm a big believer in that. So, yeah. Um, some wise choices uh, do help along the way, but uh, you got to have a, a dash of luck thrown in there, too. So yeah. Tobruk from 1967 and High Ballin from 1978 – uh Hi, yeah that's uh it's not what you think it's uh <laughs> 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 you gotta I had to find only if i'd only made that choice <laughs> now this is a trucker film peter fonda and jerry reed from 1978 mm. and uh Brook is a, a war film with rock hudson and george papard and guy stockwell uh yeah those are both keynote releases and then we have, uh, and I meant to mention that uh, Jerry and Sliding Doors are both Shout Select releases on their specialty mm-hmm. label, Shout Select. So I wanted to mention those. And uh, so for whatever it's worth, just wanted to mention that those are out there. And All About My Mother from 1999, Pedro Almodovar, uh, that's a Criterion release that has, uh, it's making its way. Yep. It's so, okay. one of his uh, well-regarded films from, uh, like I said, 1999. New extras, new transfers, all that stuff. The stuff you kind of expect from Criterion. And they've also done, and, uh, I believe this is another Sidney Lumet, Fail Safe from 1964, uh-huh. which was uh-huh. the... Uh, the flip side of the Dr. Strangelove coin, I guess you would say, right? <laughs> Coming out the same year and similar yeah, subject matter. It's, it's probably what, uh, tone-wise, it's probably what uh, Strangelove would have been if they would have stuck with their initial conception of it. Yeah. Because they initially wanted to do it as a dramatic treatment from the book Red Alert by Peter George. And then they decided, man, this scenario, it's just, yes, it's accurate, but it's so ridiculous. So they decided to make it satirical, which I think is what makes it a classic. I think the yes, fact that Strangelove exactly. is satirical makes, makes it sting more. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. I'm just glad that uh, they are issuing it because it is a good film. I mean, it's uh, for anybody who hasn't Felsic, seen it. Yeah. It's, it's Yes, it's well. We know Strange Love is great. I don't have to, I don't have to tout its tout its values. But uh, for people who haven't seen Failsafe, which is the lesser seen film, I would say it is very very good. And of course, remade as a live television production with George Clooney. If we, uh, mm-hmm. what was that about twenty years ago or something like that? I think. Oh God, that's depressing. Yeah, I know. Really, right? It's kind of shady. <laughs> I know uh, it was around uh, what 2000, something like that. I think, yes, and uh, yeah, and in terms of failsafe, it's always interesting to see those kinds of movies that were filmed as as those kinds of events were happening. Mm-hmm. You know, they're in the thick of it, yeah. So, anyway, uh, this is an interesting announcement, I will say. Vinegar Syndrome is issuing their first 4K title, 
uh, who, who knew that vinegar syndrome would get into the 4K business, but they are. And uh, this is kind of curious uh, what their first title would be. Uh, and I'm sure you'd never guess this one. I don't think the listeners would either. T- Tammy and the T-Rex from 1994 is their first 4K release. <laughs> Uh, say no more 1994 tammy and the t-rex so this is around the same time as the Whoopi goldberg t-rex it it? is i think it's pretty close yeah so yeah i don't know why they chose this as their first 4k title uh that i cannot answer but nevertheless uh they have and um so Tammy and the Man. and the T-Rex has been issued in 4K from 1994. Uh, we just mentioned Parasite earlier, my favorite film of 2019. It is coming out January 28th. I wanted to mention that to people. You can you can get it. Uh, you will be able to see it in the comfort of your own home uh, coming very soon. Uh, so this is how this is how bankrupt of ideas studios mm-hmm. are. Because so, you know what happened. Jurassic Park hit it big in 93 yep. and they're like give me some t- more T-Rex movies. But why they why they chose to go th- with Tammy and the T-Rex and the year later Whoopi Goldberg's T-Rex. <laughs> we need a comedy with a, a buddy cop movie with a T-Rex. <laughs> oh boy. Does make you wonder. Wow. Oh yeah, anything they can do to uh to take the risk out of the movie business that's that's always been the game the name of the game right it's let's strike while the iron's hot and make as much money as we can off of a trend so yep that's what it's all about for a lot of people thankfully not all but uh, anyway uh well you ex- you expect that kind of thing with Roger Corman you, ex- you expect the the exploitation or the B movie filmmakers to capitalize on that stuff that's what they do mm-hmm. And and the the best the best titles kind of lampoon that stuff. Yeah, but well, major studio kind of slap dashes together something like uh, T Rex. Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's different. I agree. Um, so speaking of vinegar syndrome, another one of their titles, Justine from 1980, which uh, stars Ashley Moore and Hillary Summers. It's about a girl who's just graduated from French finishing school and decides to go live with a rich uncle. And she's charming and sweet, but her uncle is scandalous and wanton. So it's one of those uh, typical things that Vinegar Syndrome is known for releasing. Some of their stuff has a lot of cult followings, but um, just wanted to mention that, uh, you know, that there's, that's another one of their titles. Um, And let's scare Jessica to death from 1971. Um, this is one that definitely has a cult following and has been much requested on Blu-ray. I think it's been out of print for quite a while now. Um, has, uh, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was issued around the mid two thousands, maybe 2006 or something like that. Um, anyway. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it is worthy of, uh, of re-release. I think it's one of the good cult horror films from that era. And uh, I know John Lee Hancock has been posting a lot about it. So I'm sure he's involved in commentaries and stuff in it. I think he is. I'm so glad he's still around to participate. Yeah. They've got, uh, 
They've got a, a nice batch of extras on it, believe it or not, in, in spite of the fact that the film is almost 50 years old now, which is really scary. Uh, they've managed to round up quite a few people who were involved, and there are a, a number of new extras, new transfer. Um, like I said, this is a Scream Factory release, and they, they're, they're putting it out as uh, they are also putting out body parts from 1991 with, I believe, Jeff Fahey is in that. And this has a cult following, I believe, directed by Eric Red, who wrote the script for the original The Hitcher, the 1986 version of The Hitcher. I have been wanting to rewatch the, that original Hitcher for a while, mm-hmm. and I'm having a hard time finding it anywhere. But uh, I remember not liking body parts. It's interesting because I remember not liking body parts because I thought the narration was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know if there's a lot of it. I just remember watching it as a kid and thinking, oh my God, this narration is so silly. But then on the flip side of that coin, I think one of the best things about let's scare Jessica to death is the narration, not necessarily narration, but, uh, you don't know if the lead character is going crazy or not. So her inner thoughts are vocalized on the soundtrack, which I think is one of the most effective parts of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to John Lee Hancock just last month about let's scare Jessica to death. So we'll, we'll feature an interview about that movie soon. Mm, cannot wait to hear that. Yeah. He's, he's in a, he was a good director. He, uh, I, I'm a big fan of bang the drum slowly, which I just recently rewatched, uh, just actually mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago when Danny Aiello passed, that was his first film. And I went back and revisited that. Yeah. Uh, well, well done. Well done. Pretty far removed from Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Oh, yeah. I mean, you could not, watching those two movies, you could not guess that they're from the same filmmaker. I know. Because Let's Scare Jessica is is legitimately feels, it feels like a legitimate horror film mm-hmm. from that period. It's, it's a wash in that kind of mood and dread. Yeah, sure does. Yeah, I, uh, it was one of those titles that uh, for years I have wanted to see. There was, a, there was a reference book that I had gotten as a kid when I was about six or seven years old. It was by a guy named Ed Naha, and he was more famous for having written having uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, and he used to be a, a prolific horror film writer. But he wrote a book called uh, Horrors from Screen to Scream, and it was an encyclopedia of horror films that was really my Bible, I guess you would say, as a child growing up uh, when it comes to those sorts of things. And uh, I carried that book with me everywhere until the, uh, the binding eventually just cracked and all the pages fell out and uh, I've since replaced it. But anyway, there were uh, p- photos of let's scare Jessica to death that were uh, pretty, pretty graphic photos in that book. And I was just fascinated by that. Uh, it was in the days of course, when you could not get it on video and we didn't have access to video back in those days. So you just hoped it would turn up yeah. on TV. And so it was way into the eighties before I finally got to uh, satisfy my appetite for seeing that film. And it, uh, yeah, definitely. Well, well, we were, we were talking about it and the movie was originally pitched as uh, it was called it drinks hippie blood. And that was the title of the movie. Mm. It was about you know, a bunch of hippies that uh, are attacked by a creature in the water and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so John Lee Hancock was describing that to me. And I said, look, I, I love just let's scare Jessica to death and what you did with it, but I wouldn't give up hope for it drinks hippie blood. I think you should go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he had a good laugh out of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very good. 
Well, how about the 1998 film Very Bad Things? That is a Shout Factory release with uh, Christian Slater and Cameron Diaz. It's at mm. the beginning of her career. Or, or she was, I remember there was a lot of moralizing about that movie. I find it to be quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. But in the critical community, there was a lot of people hand-wringing and saying, you know, you're morally bankrupt to put this kind of oh, thing yeah. out there. Uh, I remember Roger Ebert's review of it, and he said, if you're somebody who thinks this is funny, I'm not sure I want to know you. And that was his actual. And I thought, well, guilty as charged. I hate to say it, but I, I did think it was funny, and I watched it not too long ago, and I still think it's funny. <laughs> I have to admit. But it's a very, very, uh, really dark sense of humor at, at play in this film. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it it definitely has its moments. There's no doubt about it, and it launched the career of a, as a director of Peter Berg, right? Uh, this was his, I think, his yeah. uh, directing debut. He wrote the film, and he said that uh, he was given advice on the set of one of his films, and I forget who told him, but they said uh, if you want to keep your career going, uh, I, I recommend that you write a film and direct a film, and um, you know. So uh, he took that advice and got it financed and made it. And um, there's new extras on here. A new interview with Jeremy Piven. He turns up for some of the extras and as does Daniel Stern. And there's a new audio commentary with film critics, Whitney Seibold and William Bibiani hosts of the critically acclaimed podcast. So anyway, um, the quote on the back from Owen Gleiberman is very bad things is like diner directed by Oliver Stone from a script by Charles Manson. So I think that sums it up. So <laughs> nevertheless, I would recommend seeing very bad things. Uh, if you have a dark, dark sense of humor, uh, the slumber party massacre from 1982 is being reissued by shout uh, screen factory rather as a steel book. It's been previously issued, but they're putting it out as a steel book release. Um, Edge of the Axe is a 1988 horror film being issued by Arrow Video. And um, Warner Archive is reissuing, or they may be issuing it for the first time, Bill Book and Candle. I'm sorry, that's Sony is issuing Bill Book and Candle. Uh, that, yeah, that's the first time uh, it's being issued on Blu-ray. It's uh, one of those Sony Direct uh, releases where you just order it and they press it on by demand if they... You know, so it's not a mass yeah. pressing. Uh, anyway, Black Angel from 1946 is an Arrow video release. This is a crime thriller. Um, I want to say it's directed by... Let's see. Hold on one second here. Just lost my connection. It's Roy William Neal. I'm sorry. This was the final film, mm. film for him. He's better known as the director of uh, Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman. But it's a... Film, one of those typical film noirs of that time, but uh, pretty pretty well regarded. And um, so anyway, um, just Black Death from Arrow Video, one of their Arrow Academy releases. And so, um, yeah, so we're coming down, getting down to the, uh, the final couple of titles here and just a few more things. We've got Underwater starring Jane Russell from 1955. Oh. It's one of the first CinemaScope re releases. I think I want to say this might have been produced by Howard Hughes. Um, 
Yeah, I think it was. Anyway, it's uh, uh, one of these action-adventure type things, but uh, definitely made to capitalize on the CinemaScope process that was popular at the time, trying to lure people out of their homes and into the theaters and when TV was first um, making a big splash. And then Two on a Guillotine from 1965 is a Warner Archive release. Uh, it's a horror title that uh, turns up in horror film circles quite a bit, I think. And um, Trial by Jury from 1994 is being issued. That's a Sony release. Trial by Jury. It's is that the one Hurt. with jo- Joanne, Wally, Joanne Wally Kilmer? That's the one, yes. Mm-hmm. Look at my look at my memory. You did very aren't good. You, aren't you impressed? I really am. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just getting ready to uh, spit her name out, and you beat me to the punch. <laughs> yep. It's uh yeah, and Beyond the Door three, which is really has no connection to the previous Beyond the Door films. Uh, except in name only. This was from, I think it was the same producer and stars Bo Swenson, who was better known as playing Buford Pusser, of course, in the last two Walking Tall films. But uh, it's a Vinegar Syndrome release. And um, I guess, like I said, they released that as a way to capitalize on the earlier success in the 1970s of the, the Beyond the Door films, which are really basically Italian ripoffs of, the Exorcist films. I think the first Beyond the Door actually was sued by Warner Brothers, the makers of the first Beyond the Door film, I believe, which had Juliet Mills in it. But anyway, Beyond the Door 3 is a Vinegar Syndrome release, and it's a two-disc set, one Blu-ray and one DVD. So anyway, and one last title is Gregory's Girl from 1981. This is being issued by Film Movement. And this... uh Definitely was a staple of uh, HBO back in the day, I would say. And I'm not even sure that it would be as well-remembered as it is. Um, it's, um, But it definitely turned up quite a bit back in the day. It seemed like uh, uh, it was Bill the... Bill Forsyth movie. Bill Forsyth, yes. That's what I was going to say, yeah. It's one of, his, one of the ones that put him on the map. But anyway, Film Movement has reissued this uh, on Blu-ray for the first time. Uh, not issued it, not reissued it. But uh, anyway, Film Movement and Gregory's Girl is there, one of their releases for the month. And so I think that pretty well covers the January releases. 